Halfway along the road of life's journey, I lost my way and found myself in a dark wood. My heart was full of fear as I reached the foot of a great hill, but I could see that the hilltop was cloaked with rays of sunshine, and this gave me some hope as I looked back down the valley below, where no living person had passed before. As I started to climb the hill, a leopard, light and lithe, appeared before me and would not let me pass. And then a lion, and a she-wolf, scrawny and mean. I lost all hope. As I rushed back down the slopes, a man appeared before me. What man are you? I am not a man. Though I used to be one. I was a poet. I wrote the story of Aeneas. Virgil. Why are you returning to the world of suffering? Why are you not climbing the wondrous mountain, the reason of all joy? If you want to get away from this savage place, you will have to go another way. Follow me. I will be your guide and lead you out of here through an eternal place. But you will hear the shrieks of men without hope. You will see spirits in such pain that they call out loud for a second death. You will see men happy to be consumed in flames because they think that they will join the blessed. And then there will be someone else. Someone more worthy than myself will come and I will leave you with her when I depart. The daylight was fading and the evening light was releasing Earth's creatures from their toil as I prepared myself for my journey. Before we go, tell me, will my strength be adequate for this journey? Why should I go? By whose permission? I have done nothing to deserve this. To free yourself from these fears, let me tell you why I came here. I am among those who are in eternal suspense. A lady whose eyes shone brighter than the morning star came and spoke to me with the voice of an angel. I have a friend who is in difficulty on a bleak hillside. He is so overcome with fear that he has turned back. Go and assist him with whatever is necessary for his escape. Help him and bring consolation to me. I am Beatrice. It is love which makes me speak as I do. When she said this to me, her eyes shone with tears and she turned away. And so I came to you as she commanded and took you away from the wild beasts. So, be bold. It's time for us to go. As little flowers which on a frosty night droop and shut tight, and then when the sun shines on them stand tall upon their stalks, so I recovered from my failing strength. My heart was now filled with courage. Let us now go, for a single will informs us both. You will be my guide, my master, and my lord. He departed, and I followed him into the deep and thorny way. I am the gates of hell. Through me you pass into a city of desolation. Through me, you pass into a place of endless pain. Through me, you pass into a company of lost souls. Once, 
There was nothing that was created except eternal things. I am an eternal thing. Abandon all hope if you pass through me. From here you must renounce all fear and embrace all risks. We have come to the place in which you will find those for whom there is only grief. Virgil put his hand onto mine and smiled, and this gave me strength as he led me into the dark place. There I heard signs, complaints, and howlings echoing in a sky without stars, a cacophony of languages, deformities of speech, words which were pain itself laced with anger, deep, hoarse voices and hands which clapped in a tumult like in a perpetual sandstorm. Who are these people so crushed with pain? They are the band of angels who knew not to side with God or to rebel against him. They are without the hope of death. Mercy and justice treat them with contempt. Their life is so meaningless that they are envious of any other fate. The world has forgotten them. Let us not talk of them. Look and pass on. And as I looked at them, I saw a flag flapping wildly as it was carried forward, and behind it came a huge torrent of the dead. They were naked and their skins were blown with the bites of swarms of wasps and hornets which followed them. Their faces ran with blood and mixed with their tears as it streamed down to their feet, where filthy creatures swallowed it up. And then when I looked beyond them, I saw other people on the banks of a great river. And there came towards us a man in a boat. spirits gnashed their teeth at these harsh words. They cursed God and their parents, the human race, the place and time of their seeding and their birth, and then they gathered together, wailing loudly on the evil shore, which waits all men who do not fear God. The boatmen collected them together, and one by one, like autumn leaves that are blown away until the branches bare, they threw themselves from the river bank as they were beckoned. And thus they went away on the dark water. I could take no more and passed out. A mighty thunderclap broke my deep slumber, and I looked around to see where I was. We had come to the outer edge of an abyss which was so dark and so deep and so filled with cloud that I could not see a single thing in it. We must go down into this blind world. And so we moved into the first circle girding the abyss, 
and came upon a vast crowd of men, women, and children. I saw no torment and heard no weeping, but everywhere there were sighs of grief. These are souls who have committed no sin. They lived before the time of Christ and paid no tribute to God. They were not baptized and cannot enter the Christian faith. I am one in that position. For this, our penalty is to live here without hope, but with desire. We then came to a place where all was dark, a second circle, where Minos the bull, bristling and snarling, examined the faults of new arrivals. An endless queue of sinners awaited his word. For each he judged, he wrapped his tail about his body to indicate the level at which they should live in hell. And then they were swirled away. Be careful how you enter and whom you trust. Wide is the gate and broad is the way. Do not impede him. His way is willed in heaven. Then two lovers came and flew towards us on the malignant air. Oh, gracious living creature who comes through the black wind to visit us, know this. There is no greater melancholy than to recall a happy time when you are miserable. One day, Paolo and I were alone together reading, and several times what we read caused our eyes to meet, and we both blushed. Paolo kissed me, and we got no further with our reading that day. Love! which quickly fastens on gentle hearts. Love, which allows no one love to escape, seized us so strongly and led us both to find a single death. And while she spoke this, her lover shed such tears that I felt as if I was dying, and I fell down as a dead body falls. When I recovered, I saw all around me tormented spirits I had not seen before and fresh torments. We were in the third circle, where it rains eternally, implacably, relentlessly. There, Cerberus, a monstrous dog with three heads, barked at these poor souls under this downpour. His eyes were red, his beard greasy and black, his belly huge, and his paws had talons with which he clawed, flayed, and tortured the spirits. They, too, howled like dogs as the rain battered them. When Cerberus saw us, he opened his mouths and bared his enormous teeth. He trembled so no part of him was still. Virgil scooped up two handfuls of earth and threw them down the dog's throats and silenced the horrendous beast. These souls are victims of the sin of gluttony. Each of them will see once more his sad grave, will once more put on his flesh and we'll hear once more what echoes through eternity. And then we went down into the fourth pit. Here I saw people rolling great weights with their chests. As they collided, they turned around and rolled away again. They flowed around opposite arcs of the dark circle, only to meet again on the far side.
These are the clergy, popes and cardinals in whom avarice does its best. For all eternity they are destined to run against each other, one lot with their fists clenched, the other with their hair cut off. How short a life have the gifts which are distributed by fortune for which the human race so squabbles. followed a stream which led into a marsh called Styx. There I saw people naked and covered in mud, and with terrible anger in their faces. They were hitting each other, tearing each other apart, piece by piece. The spirits of those who were overpowered by anger. Underneath the water there are souls sighing. It is they who make the water bubble on the surface. They gurgle a hymn in their throats, but cannot get the words out. We made our way around the edge of the vast swamp, between the dry bank and the wetness, watching those who were swallowing the mud. And then we came to the foot of a tower, Two small flames glowed from the top, and another answered from far away. I saw a small boat with a crew of one advancing swiftly over the water in our direction. Your shouts are wasted! You will only have us for as long as it takes to cross this marsh! My son. We are approaching this, the city of fallen angels. The monsters glow pale red like a fire within. It is the eternal fire which lights them and makes them glow. We are now in the deeper part of heaven. I saw a thousand spirits who had fallen from heaven. Who is this undead one who travels through the kingdom of the dead? Don't leave me here. If we can't go on, let's go back. Have no fear, for I will not leave you in this low world. But you must wait there for a moment. He left me and went to meet the spirits. I could not hear what he said. Perhaps, yes and no, fought it out in my ears. But he had been with them for only a moment when they ran back inside the gate and slammed it shut in the face of my master. Do not lose heart because I am hurt. We will overcome this setback. Their arrogance is nothing new. They tried it once before at a less secret gate. The one above, at which you heard the words of the dead. Already from the hillside now, way above us, passing through the circles without any guide, comes one who will open up this city gate. We must wait for him. Has anyone else ever come so far down into this place only to be punished by having all hope cut off? Rarely does it happen that any one of us makes this journey. But it is true that I have been here just before my flesh was stripped away. So I know the way well. Don't worry. Suddenly I saw on the glowing tower three harpies covered in blood rise up. They had the shape and movement of women, and around their waists were snakes, and they had horned vipers for hair. Cover your face! If the Gorgon comes and you look on her, you will never go back to the bright world again. And not relying on what my hands would do, he covered my face with his hands, too. 
And then there came over the troubled waves a crashing sound filled with terror, and Virgil took his hands from my eyes. Now, look! Like frogs scattering before a snake, I saw more than a thousand lost souls disappear beneath the water, making their escape before the one who crossed the Styx without wetting his feet. It was the messenger from heaven, and how full of disdain he seemed to be. He came to the gate, touched it with his staff, and opened it without the slightest difficulty. Then he turned and went back the way he came, without one word to us, his mind on other things. And thus we were able to move towards the city and enter without opposition. As we walked through the burning city, a voice spoke. Hey, you! You! Who swarms through the flames and speaks with such elegance. Be so kind to stop a moment. I came to his smoldering tomb, and he looked at me contemptuously. Down here, we see like those with long vision. They who only see what's at a distance. We have no view of the present. When things occur, our minds remain blank. And were it not for others, we would know nothing of your living state. All our knowledge will be completely useless when the door to the future is closed forever. You see? Be sure to remember those words you heard spoken against yourself. Yes. When you come to stand in the glow of her presence, the one whose sad eyes see everything, then you will know life's itinerary. I am Beatrice. It is love which makes me speak as I do. As we reached the top of a deep abyss, the stench in the air became unbearable and we had to turn away. We'll have to wait a while until we become accustomed to these vile fumes. <laughs> My guide then began a lesson. Within these boulders bounds are three more circles, all tightly packed with souls. The first of the circles are the violent. Violence can be done to God, to oneself, or to one's neighbor, to himself, or to his possessions. So, murderers and those who strike with malice, those who destroy or plunder, are all punished in the first round. Man can raise a violent hand against himself and his own property. So, in the second round, paying the debt that never can be paid are the suicides. The self-robbers of the world. In the third round lie the souls of fraudsters, hypocrites, flatterers, sorcerers, falsifiers, seducers, and similar filth. Now, we must go on. The fish are shimmering over the horizon, and the passage down to the seventh circle is far off. Look, down the valley, you 
can just see the river of blood that boils the souls of those who violently injured others. I saw a broad river, curved like a bow that covered a wide, flat plain, and then suddenly towards us came a troop of centaurs, galloping in single file, armed with bows and arrows. Seeing us, they suddenly stopped, and three split away and came towards us, their bows ready primed. You there! What torture do you seek? Speak where you stand, or else I'll draw my bow. These centaurs gallop by the thousand around the ditch, shooting at any brave soul who emerges above the level of his guilt. Have you noticed how the one behind moves everything he touches? A dead man's foot would not do that. He indeed is alive, and so alone, that I must lead him through this dismal valley. Now, in the name of that power by which I move my steps along so difficult a road, give us one of your troop to be our guide, and take us to the ford, and there, carry this one over, for he is not a spirit and cannot fly. We came next to a forest without green leaves. Twisted and tangled branches bore no fruit, only the thorns of poison bloomed there. Around me I could hear low wails of grief, but could see no one. It was as if many people were hiding from us behind the trees and bushes. I reached out and snapped a twig from a thorn bush. Why do you break me? Its blood grew dark around the wound. Have you no pity? Men we once were, now bushes and weeds. But even if we were the souls of serpents, your hand should have shown more mercy. Like a green log burning at one end and spluttering sap at the other, the broken branch poured out a pus of words and blood. I let it fall from my hand and stood there, stiff with fear. When a tormented soul rips itself from the body, Minos sends it down to the seventh hole and it drops into this wood. There we germinate and spring into a sapling and then into a tree. The harpies, feasting on our leaves, create our pain and for this pain an outlet. We return to claim our bodies, but never to wear them again. For it is not for a man to have again what once he cast off. We drag them here and all along this mournful forest our bodies hang for eternity each one on a thorn of its own tormented shadow. When we reached the edge of the wood, we encountered God's justice at its most dreadful. It was an arid wasteland of burning sand. Nothing grew there, and the forest edge where we stood ringed it like a wreath. There were herds of naked souls, all of them weeping. Each herd seemed to have been assigned a different penalty. A few lay flat on their backs, wailing in pain, Others sat hunched up, whilst many others wandered round and round, never stopping, and over all of them fell like snowflakes, petals of fire, which kindled the sand like tinder under flint sparks and increased their torment. Without a moment's rest, a rhythmic dance of wretched hands, this side, that side, brushed aside the freshly fallen flames. Except the hands of one. I 
was once alive, I still am dead. Your pride does not need you. Your pain will continue. Your endless torment is simply your endless rage. Now, we must go on. Follow me closely. Our road does not burn, and all the flames above us are extinguished. As we made our way along the pathway which led us over the plain of burning sand, we saw hordes of souls hurrying towards us. Each of them looked us up and down as some men look at other men at night when the moon is new. One reached out his arm to me, and straining my eyes, I could just make him out through the crust of burnt features. What are you doing here before your rightful days are done? And who is this showing you the way? Up there in the bright living life, I lost my way. This spirit appeared to me just as I was about to turn back, and by this road he guides me home. Follow your star, and you cannot fail to reach your goal. But beware, there are those who will become your enemy. They are envious men, proud and avaricious. You must not let their ways contaminate you. Your destiny is greatness. But they will seek to devour you. I shall note well what you have told me, and save it, along with another text, to show a lady who will interpret it, if I can reach her. He listens well, who notes well what he hears. We had not gone far before the sound of water became so loud that when we spoke we hardly heard each other. Down a rocky precipice we saw tainted water falling with a sound which deafened us. I was wearing a cord fastened around my waist. My master indicated me to remove it. Taking it from me, he flung it into the depths of the pit. It is always better to hold one's tongue than to speak a truth which will not be believed, but I cannot keep quiet. I saw a figure swimming up through the murky air like one returning from diving to release a deep-sunk anchor. Behold the beast with the pointed tail, the one that makes the whole world stink. Its face was that of any honest man. It shone with such a look of benediction that the rest of him was serpentine. He sat squatting half on land, and in the void he swung his tail, twitching and twisting the venomous fork whose tip was armed like a scorpion. I noticed a little further on some people crouched in the sand close to this edge of emptiness. Pain was bursting from their eyes, and their hands went frantically up and down, protecting themselves first from the falling flames, then from the burning sands, and around each moneylender's neck hung a pouch, and each of them could only gaze on the pouches of the others. I turned my back on these frustrated souls and returned to find my guide already seated on the back of the beast. Get on in front! I will ride behind! to be between you and his dangerous tail. A fear like the shivers that signal the onset of a fever trembled through my body as I squirmed onto those enormous shoulders. Then, just like a boat slipping away from the shore, with his paws gathering the air before him and his tail waving like an eel behind, he eased into space. He moved slowly, swimming down an invisible spiral pathway Beneath us I could hear a whirlpool roar, and I stretched out to look below. But leaning made me more afraid, for I heard loud moaning there and could see flames. And then I became aware that the walls of the void were closing in on every side, and the beast was bringing us to the bottom of the jagged cliff. 
And when he tipped our bodies off his back, he shot off like a shaft loosed from a bowstring. We were in the part of hell called Malbolge. Iron ore shines in the walls that surround it, and in the center there is a deep, wide well, of which I will tell later. Between the wall and the well, I saw the land divided into ten concentric trenches, like moats defending a castle, each an evil place linked by an arching bridge leading to the well. Two files of naked souls walked in the first trench, one coming towards us, the other going in the opposite way. I saw horned devils with vicious whips who lashed the backs of the shades with cruel delight and made them skip and lift their heels. The second trench was lined with a brown mire that coated the shades and stuck to them like glue, and the stench was terrible. These souls were covered in shit, and the shit was so thick I could not tell priest from layman. I think we've had enough of this, Moat. Let's go on. In the third trench we found the dwellings of scum who sought to sell the favors of religious office. Their feet poked out from holes in the rock, but their body was stuck inside. The soles of their feet were licked by flames, and their legs twitched with frenzy enough to break a chain. Is that you, Boniface? Here already? Are you done with all that wealth so guilefully taken? Quick, tell him you are not the one he thinks you are. And so I did. The spirit heard and twisted both feet, then with a grieving, tearful voice said, I was Pope Nicholas III, who pocketed the wealth that pocketed me here. Beneath my head, squeezed into these fissures in the rock, are all the others who came before me, all sinners in simony. In my turn, I shall join the rest below as soon as he comes, the one I thought you were. And soon after shall come another from the west, a lawless shepherd, one whose fouler deeds will make a fitting cover for us both. And his feet kicked out fiercely in anger, but perhaps it was just his conscience gnawing him. Now I must tell of strange torments, of the damned. We came to where we could look down into the depths of the pit, and saw that its floor was wet with sinners' tears. I saw people in the circle, silent, weeping, walking at a litany pace, the way in which processions push along in our world, and I saw that all were so distorted. Their chins were not above their chests. Their necks were twisted, and their faces looked down their backs. They moved ahead whilst looking backward. They never saw ahead of themselves, and their tears streamed down to their buttocks. In this place, piety lives when pity is dead. What could be more wicked than a man who tries to bend divine will into his own shape? Now the day turns light, and we must go on. We walked on and heard yet more lamentations voiced in vain. Heated by God's art, not fire, a sticky tar boiled in the ditch, but I saw nothing but the rising bubbles breathing in air, only to burst and sink again. Watch out! 
I turned my head and saw right behind me a devil rushing along the ridge, and on his high, hunched shoulders he held a sinner by his thighs. Here's another grafter from the place where you can change a no into a yes with money. Stick him under. He flung him into the boiling tar and sped off. The sinner sunk deep, then floated up, all stretched out, and the devils, hiding beneath the bridge, stabbed him with a hundred pitchforks. Best not let them see you here with me. Hide, whilst I speak to them. Listen to me. One of you, step forth. Let us pass, for it is willed in heaven that I lead another along this way. Let them pass. I don't like the look of this. See how they grind their teeth and wink at one another. They grind and wink for the boiling souls, not for us. Then the band of devils each gave their captain a salute, and he replied with a massive fart. I have seen troops of horsemen breaking camp. Opening the attack or passing in review, I've even seen them fleeing for their lives. I have seen scouts ride exploring terrain, and I have seen raiding parties and the clash of tournaments, the run of jousts to the tune of trumpets, to the ring of clanging bells, to the roll of drums, to the flash of flares on ramparts, to the accompaniment of every known device. But I never saw cavalry or infantry or ships that sail by landmarks or by the stars signalled to set off in such a strange manner. My attention then fixed upon the boiling pitch, much like dolphins that surface with backs arched to warn all men at sea to rig their sails for stormy seas ahead. So now and again. A sinner's back would surface in order to ease his pain, and then dive back to hide as quick as lightning strikes. In silence, all alone, without an escort, we moved along, one behind the other, like minor friars bent upon a journey. I felt my skin begin to tighten. I was so afraid, and I kept looking back. Master, the mother branch is still on our tail. My guide caught hold of me like a mother grabs her child, and over the edge and down a stony bank he slid on his back, clasping me to his chest. His feet had hardly touched the bottom when there they were, ten of them above us. But now there was no need to fear. The high providence that willed them to be masters of the fifth trench also willed them powerless to leave that realm. And then down there we found a painted people. Slow motioned, step by step they walked their round, in tears and wasted by fatigue. All were wearing cloaks with hoods pulled low, covering their eyes. Dazzling gilded cloaks outside, but inside they were lined with lead. You witness a congregation of sullen hypocrites, Master. I hear sounds I can't understand. We went down into the next circle, and there I saw a terrible confusion of serpents. And in this bitter and cruel abundance, the souls of thieves ran terrified and naked, hopeless of finding shelter. Their hands were tied behind their backs with serpents, which pushed their tails and heads between their legs, and coiled in knots around their sexual parts. Then a serpent shot out at a thief passing by us and bit him where the neck joins the shoulder. 
the sinner flared up, burned and turned into a heap of crumbling ash. And then his scattered ashes began to come together on their own and resumed the form they had before. Suddenly, another serpent with six legs shot up and hooked one of the thieves with all its feet. Its middle feet grasped the wretch's stomach, the front ones held his arms, then pierced him first through one cheek and then the other. The serpent then spread its hind legs around both thighs, stuck its tail between the sinner's legs and slid it tight up against his back. Both then started melting like hot wax and began to fuse. Two heads merged to become one, features flowed and blended into one face and both were lost in one another. Two arms of each were four blurred strips of flesh and then the stomach and chest sprouted limbs that human eyes have never seen. And then it slinked off slowly. Thus, I saw the cargo of the seventh trench exchange and interchange themselves. We carried on our solitary way down steps where our feet could not advance without the help of our hands. I know I grieved then, and now again I grieve when I remember what I saw. Within those moving fires there are souls of goaders concealed, each one swathed in his burning punishment. Lacking any outlet from which to escape, the pitiful words of the burning soul inside the flame became the fire's language. We climbed the ridge until we stood on the next arch that spans the ninth trench, where penalties are paid by those who sow discord. Who could describe the sight of blood and wounds that I saw there? I saw a man ripped open from his chin to his crutch. Between his legs spilled out the dark sack that turns to shit whatever the mouth gulps down. Whilst I stood looking into his misery, he looked at me, and with his hands he opened his chest. Look at me! See how I tear myself! See how Mohammed is deformed and torn! And see how in front of me Ali walks weeping, his face cleft from chin to crown. We souls, you see, passing in this ditch were all sowers of scandal and schism in life. And so in death you see us torn asunder. I saw a body with no head that moved along no differently from the rest. It held up its severed head by the hair, swinging it in one hand. Of his own self he had made a lantern. And when he arrived at the bridge, he raised his arm and held the head up high to let it speak to us at closer range. You there, still breathing, looking at the dead. See my monstrous punishment. Father and son, I set against each other. Because I cut the bonds of those so joined, I now bear my head cut off from its source of life. In me you see the perfect contrapassal. Having come to stand above the final trench of the Malbolge, we saw all spread out its congregation. Weird shrieks of lamentation pierced through me like arrows whose tips are barbed with pity, and my hands covered my ears. Imagine all the sick, 
in all the hospitals between the months of July and September, crammed all together in one ditch. Such was the misery here, and such a stench poured out as comes from flesh decaying. Some sprawled out on others' bodies. Some on others' backs, some on hands and knees dragged themselves along that squalid gallery. I saw souls blotched from head to foot with scabs that dug and dug into their flesh, crazy to ease the itching that can never find relief. I then saw two naked shades, white with rage, running and snapping crazily at all things in sight, like pigs, directionless, broken from their pen. That one's a rabbit. He treats us all that way. And the other is a shade who sinned in love, pretending that her body was another's. The pair left. And then I saw a shade shaped like a lute. Bloating dropsy forced him to keep his parched lips open wide. Oh, you who bear no punishment at all within this world of sorrow, pause here and look on my misery. In life, I had all that I could desire, and now, alas, I crave a mere drop of water. The streams that flow from green hills forever flow before me, haunting me, and their image leaves me more thirsty than the sickness that has dried my shriveled face. Who are those two poor souls lying there, steaming like wet hands in wintertime? When I was bored into this ditch, I found them here, and they haven't moved since then. I doubt they'll move again through all eternity. It's the burning fever that makes them smell so. Turning our backs on that trench of misery, we walked on in dead silence. It was less than night and less than day. Then I heard the blast of a horn and saw what seemed to be high clusters of towers. Master, what city lies ahead? Be prepared for a strange truth. These are not towers. They be giants. I made out a face, the shoulders, the chest, and down two sides, two great arms. Nature did well to break the mold that shaped men like these. For should intellect be joined with such physical power, all mortal men would surely tremble. He is Nimrod, whose stupidity caused the world to no longer speak with one tongue. Let's not waste time with him. He cannot understand us, nor we him. Let us go toward Antius. Antius, take us further down. This man can be of service to you. He will spread your reputation in the living world, for he still lives and has a long life before him. The giant stretched out his arm and grasped my master. Now, let me take hold of you. And together, we made a single burden. 
The stooping giant lowered us down further into a deep pit and then flung himself up as tall as a ship's mast. When we reached a point of darkness in the well below the giant's feet, I heard a voice. At that I turned and saw before me a lake of ice stretching beneath my feet, more like a sheet of glass than frozen water. At my feet I saw two figures clasped so tight that one's hair could well have been the other's. Both stretched their necks, and their eyes, which before had only been glazed, now dripped tears down to their lips, and the cold froze their tears between them, locking the pair more tightly. Then, further on, I saw a thousand dog-like faces, purple from the cold. By fate, or by chance, or willfully, perhaps, my foot kicked hard against one of those faces. Why are you kicking me? Who do you think you are? You that insults another. Who do you think you are? Kicking people in the face? A living man kicks so hard? I am a living man. Well, fuck off! We went on. We moved ahead where the frozen water wraps in harsh wrinkles another sinful race. Here, weeping put an end to weeping, and grief which finds no outlet from the eyes had turned inward to intensify the anguish. I saw shades whose tears had knotted into a cluster and like a visor filled the hollow pit around their eyes. O oh, wicked souls! Break off these hard veils that cover my eyes and give me relief from the pain which swells my heart. Aren't you already dead? Just how my body is in the world above, I do not know, but so you may more willingly scrape off my custard of tears. Let me tell you this. When a man betrays the way I did, a demon takes possession of the body, controlling its movements from then on. For all the years it has to live up there, whilst the soul falls straight into the system here. Now give me your hand, the hand you promised. Open my eyes! I did not open them. To be mean to him was a generous reward. Then I thought I felt the air begin to blow. Soon you will be where your eyes will see what keeps this wind in motion. See! The banner of the king advances. Look ahead and see if you can make him out. This is he. This is the king of this. This is the place that calls for all the courage you have in you. King of the vast kingdom of all grief stuck out with half of his torso above the ice. Oh, how amazed I was when I looked up and saw a head wearing three faces. One was in front, bright red. The other two attached themselves to the first, just above the middle of each shoulder, and at the crown all three were joined as one. Beneath each face, two mighty wings stretched out, not feathered wings, but rather those a bat would have. In each mouth he chewed a sinner. Soon it will be night. Now is the time to leave this place. For we have seen it all. 
held onto Virgil's neck while he watched and waited for the time and place. And when Satan's wings were stretched out just enough, Virgil grabbed the scabby sides of him and downwards, scab by scab, we made our way between tangled hair and frozen growth. When we reached his thighs, my guide, with strain and force of every muscle, turned his head to the hairy shanks of Satan and grabbed his hair as if to climb up again. I thought we were heading back to hell. Hold tight! There is no other way! Only by such stairs can we leave behind the evil we have seen. I raised my eyes, expecting to see the half of Lucifer I saw before. Instead, I saw two legs stretching upwards. Get up! Get to your feet. The way is long and the road is tough. Master, why is there ice? Why is he upside down? And why in so short a time the night is day? You think we are still on the other side? We were there whilst we were moving downwards. But when we turned, we passed the point to which all weight is drawn. Now we are standing beneath the hemisphere covered by land. When it is morning here, there, it is evening. Below, somewhere there is a space known not by sight, but by the sound of a little stream that makes its way down here through the hollow of the rock. My guide and I entered that hidden road to make our way back up to the bright world. We climbed, he first and I behind, until through a small round opening ahead of us, I saw the lovely things the heavens hold. And we came out to see once more the stars. <laughs>